Proverbs chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. The Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. Ill-gotten treasures have no lasting value, but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. The word of the Lord. We are continuing in Proverbs today. Uh, We're kind of uh, beginning a new phase in our Proverbs series, a new part to it. We're looking a little bit more topically at some subjects. Uh, But we're continuing just in the series, Everyday uh, Wisdom. So let me pray, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the book of Proverbs. It's maybe a book that sometimes we skip over um, or we don't spend a lot of time in because it seems so simple. Uh, And yet we know that with simplicity, there can also come a great deal of depth. And so help us to dive deep into your word and to apply it to our hearts, to our lives. Uh, And and would we live faithfully uh, this portion of the scriptures and and would we see Christ uh, in it and, and present speaking to us? Uh, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to kick off today's sermon in Proverbs uh, by reading a verse from the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, so I've been trying to include kind of the, the broader picture of Scripture, but I want to start with this verse in Matthew. Matthew six twenty one: For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. These are Jesus' words. Jesus spoke them. They come from the Sermon on the Mount. And right before this, he was saying, you know, don't store up your treasure in this world. Store up your treasure in my kingdom, in in heaven. And when we look at these words, uh, we're struck by them. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Sometimes we think, oh, it's wherever my heart is, that's kind of where my treasure is. It's actually where we put our money where we put things of value to us, that's what we love. And that's a sign of where our heart is. So where's your heart? (laughs) You ever heard the phrase, follow the money? Follow the money. So where's your heart? Just follow your money. It'll lead somewhere, (laughs) maybe to your family, uh, maybe to your church, to your hobbies, to your passions, maybe your anxieties, maybe your health doesn't mean that this leads to a bad place, not at all. But it does mean it leads somewhere. Wherever your money is, that's where your heart is, where your treasure is. And so if you were to walk backward along that path, maybe you would be able to stop and say, okay, as I think about my thoughts and the decisions I'm making, I can really begin to see my heart. I can begin to see the things that matter to me, the things that I value and care about the most. Because that's where I'm putting my, my resources. And so we get eventually back to the heart. <laughs> the heart, uh, as we think about the heart, we think about it as this place of emotion. But in the scriptures, it's even more encompassing than that. The heart is everything you are at your core. Everything comes from the heart. The mind, the will, the emotions, it all starts in your heart. Our foundation verse uh, that we practiced earlier, did a great job of, says this. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. 
So today's sermon on wealth is not just a sermon on money. It's a sermon for your soul. It's a sermon for your heart. What you do with your money and your wealth displays your heart. Now today I want to look at where a love of wealth can lead and then compare that to where a love of God can lead. And so let's begin to look at these two paths. That's a a reoccurring theme that we have seen in the book of Proverbs, the two paths, the the path of wisdom, the path of foolishness. And we see that uh, displayed, we see that uh, carried through with the theme of wealth and money. So love of wealth, it can lead to wealth. (laughs) Love of wealth can lead to wealth. If you idolize it, that means if it's the most important thing in your life, Money, money, you might actually get more money. (laughs) This could work out for you. Psalm 73, or, you know, a series on Proverbs, I'm skipping to Psalms. Psalm 73 said, For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. This is a cynical psalm. It's written by a guy named Asaph. He, uh, He had a rough view of life. But he saw that the wicked were doing well. (laughs) It doesn't take much wisdom to look out into the world and say, people that do bad things or who aren't living for the God, they can do pretty well financially. Money's their main thing, and they make more and more money. And so as we look at Proverbs, we don't necessarily see this theme as much. In Proverbs, we tend to see positive outcomes, but there are places in Proverbs that it implies, you know, People that don't believe in God, people that don't love God, people that love wealth, well, you can bring more wealth. Proverbs 15, 16 says, Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. So you can have great wealth without the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is not like I'm terrified. I have a healthy respect for who God is, my creator, the one who made me. I respect that. I don't just brush that aside. You can care not the least amount about God and still have great wealth. But will you be happy? Will you be satisfied? Can you be happy and satisfied if you don't know your creator? Ecclesiastes is also a book of wisdom, but it's the more cynical wisdom again. Uh, Ecclesiastes 5.10 says this, Whoever loves money never has enough. (laughs) Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This, too, is meaningless. If you ever watched the, the show Shark Tank, uh, you know Shark Tank, it's a, a very entertaining show, uh, but it's about millionaires and billionaire investors who want to make more and more money. Uh, one of the investors, Kevin O'Leary, likes to say, here's how I think of my money as soldiers. I send them out to war every day. I want them to take prisoners and come home so there's more of them. <laughs> I like the quotes. Uh, but I think the heart behind it is a heart that's not satisfied, a heart that is uh, incredibly unsatisfied and wants more and more wealth. At the end of the day, this idea of kind of the American dream, right, where if we can just make it, if we can become financially independent and wealthy, it's a pretty hollow dream. It looks good on the outside, But at the end of the day, it's not going to bring that eternal satisfaction that only God himself can provide. Love of wealth may lead to wealth, but it could also lead to 
poverty. Now, I already preached on laziness in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs loves to talk about laziness and how that will lead to poverty. Uh, So I'm not going to repeat all of that. Uh, But uh, an actual love of wealth, so not just laziness, but an actual love of wealth can actually lead to poverty too. Proverbs 20, 21 says, An inheritance claimed too soon will not be blessed at the end. I wonder if Jesus was thinking about this proverb when he told the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, This story is about a young man who loves his inheritance. (laughs) He wants all of his money before his father has passed. So he goes to his father and says, give me my inheritance. And his father says, okay. He gives him all of his money. And what does he do? He goes to a foreign land and he squanders it. He spends his wealth on, on parties and friendships and food and whatever And he loses his inheritance. He loses his wealth. His love of wealth led to a loss of wealth. And he ends up uh, feeding pigs, which is just an incredibly disgraceful job for anyone from uh, with Jewish heritage. He ends up feeding pigs, (laughs) uh, like living in the mud. Love of wealth can lead to poverty. That's not how the story ends, but I'm going to circle back around to that. Love of wealth can lead to wealth or to poverty. Uh, But if your heart is taken with an idol, if you love money more than God, if it is the most important thing in your life, then what happens? You'll you'll see it. (laughs) You'll see it in your character and who you are in your actions. Love of wealth can also lead to Greed, (laughs) to greed, where we just want more and more. Greed doesn't lead anywhere good. Proverbs 28, 27 says this, Those who give to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to them receive many curses. Proverbs especially warns leaders. Uh, It talks about kings, but we can apply it to leaders in any position. Uh, Proverbs 28, 16 says, a, ty- a tyrannical ruler practices extortion, but one who hates ill-gotten gain will enjoy a long reign. As leaders, we have opportunities to put more money in our own pockets, right? To line our own pockets, to abuse our authority. Wisdom says to resist this. Greed leads to a curse, as we read in the previous verse. Greed leads to the oppression of the poor and those under your authority. Love of wealth leads to greed, which results in injustice. <laughs> so you can, love of wealth can lead to wealth or poverty, but it will lead to kind of a heart attitude of greed, of always wanting more and more, which then leads to impacting negatively and hurting those around you. Injustice. Proverbs has a lot to say connecting the dots between money and justice. Uh, uh, Money, I think, is morally neutral, but the things we do with money are not. (laughs) Did you know that justice in much of the Bible is not just about personal property rights or just personal rights? It's not really so much about that as it is about caring for the needy and the oppressed. Let me read this quote to help explain it a little bit better. The modern ideal of justice 
is in fact rooted in Jewish and Christian sources that understood justice not as the claims that could be made by an aggrieved party, as it is in contemporary rights language, but rather in the obligations we owe to all those who are aggrieved and in need. So justice isn't really about me getting my wants, it's about those in need getting what they need. It's about the poor, it's about the oppressed. Christian justice is not about being harmed and seeking retribution, but about preemptively ensuring no one is harmed. That we owe an obligation, that we are in debt, that we owe an obligation by the very presence of the least of these. I hope that makes sense. There's a slight difference there. It's not about just me getting my wants, my rights. It's about proactively caring for the least of these. That's what social justice is. And that is rooted in the scriptures, caring for the poor, marginalized, and oppressed. And it's exactly what the Bible means by justice. Now, Proverbs warns us that the love of wealth I don't think it just can lead to injustice. I think it will lead to injustice. Proverbs 18.23 says, The poor plead for mercy, but the rich answer harshly. Although Proverbs, although poverty can be due to laziness, it's not always due to laziness. It's often due to systems of injustice. I think in our culture, there is this mindset that if you're poor, it's because you're lazy. That could be true, but that's not the full story. And the Bible says that there's a, just a, there's a, a, a rounder picture of it. An unplowed field produces food for the poor, but injustice sweeps it away. This means that people and systems beyond the poor's control keeps them in poverty. God promises that he will deal with this injustice. God promises to do it. Ultimately, the love of money produces injustice. And it leads to someplace far worse. It leads to death. So love of wealth can lead to poverty or wealth. A heart attitude of greed, displays of injustice, and ultimately death. Now this can mean like physical, literal death. Uh, Proverbs is great because it's super practical, and it says if you're wealthy, you're more likely to get kidnapped. Well, that's good to know, Proverbs. <laughs> a person's riches may ransom their life, but the poor cannot respond to threatening rebukes. If you're poor, you're not as likely to get ransomed. You're not as likely to get kidnapped and uh, them to demand money. But in the end, a love of wealth doesn't just lead to physical death, because it may or may not happen, but it does lead to eternal spiritual death. Proverbs 11.4, wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. I think the day of wrath is talking about God's judgment. When we all stand before God, because the Bible promises us that one day we all will answer to God for our lives. Your money, you can't buy your way out of God's displeasure. (laughs) He doesn't take any currency, but uh, the currency of his son's life. So your treasure matters. What you do with your treasure displays your heart. Love of wealth leads to death. But thankfully, the Bible doesn't leave us there. 
The Bible never stops with condemnation. It also gives us hope. It provides a pathway, an alternative that leads to life. So let's look at not the love of wealth, but the love of God. The love of God can also lead to wealth, (laughs) may lead to wealth. Now, our previous verses were showing both passes, like paths, but I was focusing more on the negative side. Now I'm going to focus more on the positive sides. We're not going to look at the same verses again, but uh, if you were to go back and look at them, you would see that. So as we look at these new verses, let's look at how a love of God leads to developing wisdom and leads to uh, a healthy heart, which leads to life. Now, key word here is that the love of God may lead to wealth. Because as you love God, you develop wisdom, skill for living, and practically that just might uh, end up in you gaining more uh, money financially. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Seek God, seek wisdom, to live God, life God's way, and you may become wealthy. You may become more financially independent. Proverbs 3, 15 through 16, likewise say this, Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. And I think if we started saying, like, man, you'll become wealthy if you come to church, <laughs> if you become a Christian, like we would probably grow as a church. But, remember, Proverbs are principles, not promises. (laughs) Now, if you've ever been a part of a church that told you, if you just give us more money, or if you come to church, or if you're a good Christian, or if you have faith, then you've actually been a part of a church that wasn't truly preaching the Scriptures. We call those uh, prosperity gospel churches or uh, word of faith churches. And we would need to be careful because we don't want to get uh, pulled into believing that if we just give God money, he's just going to give us back as much money. We're going to get wealthy and rich in this life. This is not a promise. Proverbs 22 verse 2 says, Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is maker of them all. Did I skip? Well, forgot to put a verse in. Proverbs 22 verse 2. Oh, Uh, Rich and poor have this in common, the Lord is maker of them all. This means that God decides who is wealthy, God decides who is poor. And we just need to trust him, uh, that he is going to to work everything out for his glory. Now this is not an excuse for laziness, it is not an excuse for greed or injustice, but it is ultimately a promise that we can trust God. We may work really hard in our lives and not become wealthy, and that's okay because we can trust God. And yet, if he calls us to be wealthy, we can also trust him in that, that he will lead us with how to use our finances well and to not uh, squander it on uh, kind of the things that the prodigal son squandered his wealth on. Love of God may lead to wealth, but it can also lead to poverty. That's what the next option that we see, that there are many circumstances beyond our control that, we, uh, that God has set in motion that we can't control and result in, uh, in either poverty or, or less, uh, less wealth. God doesn't promise wealth uh, to the, even to the most righteous of us. <laughs> Proverbs 16, 8 says this, Better a little 
with righteousness than much gain with injustice. It's better to have a little and be right with God than to have a lot and not be right with God. Uh, It's better to be poor (laughs) than to be rich and greedy. God does say he will take care of those who trust in him. So you might not be rich, but God will provide for your needs. Proverbs 10 verse 3 says, The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. This reminds me of a passage that Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 25 through uh, 26. Uh, He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much are you not much more valuable than they? So what this tells us is that, uh, that there's this, this principle in Proverbs that Jesus draws on and, and says, like, if you trust in God, God will take care of your, your needs. That doesn't mean that if you're a Christian, uh, it's impossible for you to die of things like starvation. But there does come a moment where we can say, God, we can trust you that God will provide for every need, spiritual And if he wants us to have those things, if he wants us to have food or or whatever, wealth, he will provide those things. And yet as love of God leads to either wealth or poverty, uh, it's going to lead to generosity in just a moment so that we are caring for those around us. And so that we ourselves are helping prevent those who are hungry. Uh, We're helping feed them. Now, I want to go back to that theme of, uh, of poverty as Christians. As Christians, I don't think we should be surprised if God actually calls us to a life of poverty, of, of living with less. Uh, this can come from serving him. I, I recently watched a, a documentary called American Gospel, uh, and it's on this prosperity gospel, the, the Word of Faith movement. Um, and it, it highlights a guy named Sean DeMars. Uh, he shares his story uh, so when he became a Christian, uh, so he's, he's someone in Florida, uh, he, he's living down there, he just got out of prison, he's a tough guy, uh, he becomes a Christian, uh, and he has a Bible, and he tells a story, he's like walking around a neighborhood, he's looking to share his Bible with others, he's looking to share the gospel with others, and he runs into another guy who, who has a Bible who's a Christian, And this other man begins to teach him about the Bible, but this other man believes in the prosperity gospel, that if you just have faith and believe enough in God, God will uh, cure you of your your sicknesses, and he will give you wealth, he'll give you money. And so Sean uh, becomes very confused as a believer. He doesn't realize it, but he's believing the wrong things. Uh, And he begins to uh, believe this prosperity gospel. If he can just have enough faith, if he can just trust in God, God will provide, God will make him rich, God will make him happy and and healthy and strong. And he came down with mercury poisoning, (laughs) and uh, his belief in the prosperity gospel almost killed him uh, because he didn't need to go to the doctor. If he just had enough faith, God would cure him of his mercury poisoning. Uh, Thankfully, his mom found him, and they got to the doctor, and the the doctors were able to use uh, God's healing (laughs) through medicine uh, uh, to bring him uh, back. Eventually, he stumbled onto a sermon by Pastor John Piper preaching against the prosperity gospel and for the true gospel, and that kind of helped lead him out of it. And then he and his wife, they became missionaries in Peru, 
And they, their lives became like the exact opposite of what the prosperity gospel preaches. They weren't living in a mansion. They didn't have all this wealth. They were living in a shack. Uh, their, their, uh, their shower was this like rain bucket, this blue bucket of water that they could just like pour some water on their head and that was their shower. But they were sharing the true gospel. They were experiencing the true gospel. So the love of Christ, the love of God may actually lead away from wealth and to poverty. Uh, and so that's part of what it means to pick up your cross and to follow Christ. And so ultimately, a love of God will then lead to generosity. See, a heart that has experienced God's grace will be overflowing with grace towards others and will want to give, not just spiritually, but also tangibly. Proverbs 19.17 says, Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. It's like it's saying if you're kind to the poor, you're kind to God. <laughs> generosity. It's part of wisdom. It is like you're giving a loan to God in some sense and that God is going to pay you back. But there's no guarantee he's going to pay you back in this life with money. <laughs> he promises he will pay, pay you back with spiritual treasure, with heavenly treasure. Uh, we, can, we can take that as a promise. Uh, and most importantly, God does reward you. He re- rewards you with himself, with his own presence as you trust in him. As you're willing to give to him, he provides more and more of himself to you. Uh, And often you you find, like, as you give, you will be blessed. Maybe you've even seen that on a TV show or on the news where it's like, yeah, I gave all this money and I felt great. And that's usually where giving for the world stops. (laughs) Look at what I did. I feel really great. And I guess there's a little truth to that. Like, we do feel good as we give, but sometimes it really hurts to give of our wealth. Sometimes it really stings. It's like, I, I need this money, but I'm going to give it to the Lord. And so we can have that eternal uh, hope that it's not just about feelings, but it's about what God uh, will do in return, that God blesses us, and he will bless us spiritually forever. Uh, Proverbs 22, verse 9 says, uh, The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. And Proverbs encourages us that those who give uh, will receive even more. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. (laughs) Uh, Greed can lead to poverty. Generosity can lead to wealth. The author Henry Nouwen, so he's this uh, uh, famous uh, writer on uh, all things spiritual, Christian spirituality, uh, he was speaking at a conference, and the, the local uh, bookstore that was selling at the conference some of his books, they ran out of books. And so he said, okay, well, I'll run out to the store, and I'll go buy some more books uh, that then we can sell in the bookstore as part of this conference. And so as he was running out, a man came up to him, a young man, and said, hey, I need some money to get home. Uh, I need some money to get back. And so uh, Henry Nouwen didn't say, okay, I'm just going to give you money, and then went on his way. He said, okay, I want to uh, know a little bit about you, so jump in my car, <laughs> and we're going to go for a drive. You can join me on my errand to the bookstore. And so he goes to the bookstore, he's talking to this young man, and he finds out this young man, uh, he came from France uh, uh, to America to, uh, to find a job. I think, I think it was Canada. He was in Canada. He, he came over to find a job, and there was no jobs, and so he has to return home, but he only has enough for a plane ticket to get back to Paris. He needs a little bit more to get home to southern France. 
And so Henry Nowen, after he got to know him, ended up giving him $200 to get home. Later that evening at the conference, the bookseller that he had done that errand for came up to him and gave him $200 as a thank you for, uh, for helping them out. And so his generosity led to gaining even more, gaining a friend, uh, uh, gaining uh, uh, an opportunity to share Christ's love with someone else. Love of God leads to generosity, which leads to justice. Uh, see, to mistreat the poor is to mock God, uh, but to treat them well is to honor God. Proverbs 14.31 says, Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. See, there was a split at some point in Christian history where uh, evangelical Christians, people that believe in Jesus and trust in him uh, for their death and resurrection, they, they said, you know, it's all about evangelism. It's all about sharing the gospel. <laughs> and then there was a split on the other side, the, the non-evangelicals, um, perhaps some of the mainline churches that said, well, it's all about social justice. It's all about caring for the least of these. It's all about caring for the poor and the needy. Those two things should have never been split. <laughs> We should always share the gospel and pair that with social justice, with caring for the least of these, with caring for the poor and for the needy. God cares about both those things. He wants the gospel message to go out, the message of love and kindness for the least of these. Last week, our missions team unveiled our missions funding plan during a missions moment during the service. And what I liked about it was that it included opportunities to share the gospel, (laughs) Opportunities to share the gospel, but opportunities paired with justice, with caring for the least of these, with caring for uh, ministries like uh, Haiti, uh, the orphanage in Haiti, uh, uh, safe families uh, through, uh, through uh, Bethany. Uh, that's caring for uh, single moms who need some help in a time of stress and crisis. Uh, uh, prison ministry, caring for the least of these through uh, Vision New England. Uh, these are all places where we can be sharing the gospel plus caring for the least of these. That's amazing. That's what we want to be doing as a church. Now, you've probably never heard a sermon on giving without some sort of opportunity to give, right? (laughs) Um, I don't want to challenge you to give uh, necessarily to to Cornerstone. You're, of course, welcome to do that. But uh, I want to challenge you to examine your own giving, to examine where your funds are going, And to think and pray about whether the Lord would have you give a little bit extra to our missions. Because they're accepting uh, extra donations that can then uh, be given to our missions program. And kind of the ministries that we're supporting. So think about that. Like take time, review, and say, Lord, is there there a way that I can give a little bit extra to to the least of these through our missions program? to, uh, To sharing the gospel with them. Love of God uh, may lead to wealth or poverty, but it should always lead to generosity, uh, which leads to justice. (laughs) But ultimately, love of God leads to life. (laughs) Proverbs tells us that righteousness, which comes by knowing God, seeking him, leads to life. Proverbs 10.2, ill-gotten treasure has no lasting value, but righteousness delivers from death. Righteousness just means having a right relationship with God. And as we have that right relationship with God, it changes our future. It changes our future from death to life. Proverbs 22.4, humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. See, as our hearts are humbled, as we recognize our need for God, as we recognize that we want to be in a relationship with him, 
it leads to life. It leads to eternal life, which is the wealth that we really want. It's the wealth that truly lasts forever and ever and ever. (laughs) And that you can never uh, deplete your bank account if it is with Christ. (laughs) Your spiritual bank account will be deep (laughs) and it will last forever. The fear of the Lord, it leads to eternal life. And the only reason this is possible It's because a rich man gave up all of his wealth for you and for me. That's Christ. The very son of God, the the wealthiest of all, set aside his heavenly kingdom and came into this world and lived among us. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. Though he was rich? For your sake, he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. He's not talking about uh, like material gain. He's not talking about money, money. He's talking about eternal life, about knowing God, about being in relationship with God. The story of the prodigal son ends uh, with the son repenting, saying, I'm going to go home. I'm going to plead uh, before my father. I'm going to say, I'm not worthy. <laughs> And so that's what he does. He makes the long journey home. And his father doesn't beat him up when he gets home. His father runs to him and throws his arms around his son. And then he throws a wild party. <laughs> that, that thing the son was looking for in a foreign land was the thing that only his father could provide. And that's a picture of our relationship with our heavenly father. If you are going through this life and you are looking uh, for that, that party, that wealth, that, that, that richness that only God can provide, your Father, your Heavenly Father is inviting you home. Come home to the one who wants to throw his arms around you and throw a party that is going to last forever. He can satisfy you. Uh, he makes this possible through the, the death of his oldest son. Christ Jesus laid down his life so that you could recognize your own brokenness and his goodness and your father's goodness and come to God. So I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, It's with our heavenly father that your heart and my heart will finally be safe, finally be satisfied. Make uh, Make Christ your heart's greatest treasure. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that Christ can be our treasure. Lord, our hearts are, are scattered all over the place because of the busyness of life. But I pray for everyone here that we would find you to be our greatest treasure and your son, Christ Jesus. Lord, we recognize that you have done it all through Christ and that when we give our money, our tithes, our offerings, it, it doesn't win us anything. Uh, But it is an investment. It's an investment in our eternity with you. And so we give it uh, to honor you and pray that you would use it to grow your kingdom so that other people uh, could come to know you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, if there's anyone in this town, anyone in this community, anyone in this church who's been confused by the prosperity gospel or is being confused right now, would you deliver them? Uh, Would you pull them out and bring them to the true gospel, the real gospel? the gospel of Jesus Christ.
please bless our uh, remaining time together in Jesus' name. Amen.